Welcome to the Defiant Podcast. The internet of money is being built with blockchain technology and without banks. We call it DeFi, short for decentralized finance. And this is where you can hear the builders and users of this cutting edge world tell their stories firsthand. I'm your host, Camila Russo. In this week's episode, I speak with Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. He's been leading his macro research firm since 1990, which has family offices, hedge funds, and other investment firms as clients. He was at UBS and Lehman Brothers before that. He's as stratified as it gets, but recently he's been falling down the crypto rabbit hole and hard. He says that while Bitcoin was interesting as an investment opportunity, to him it's DeFi what really caught his attention. It was after installing MetaMask and doing some yield farming and NFT investing that he realized DeFi is a new financial system and it is replacing the centralized traditional finance. The reason is simple, it's just better. He has carefully brought this up to his clients, but it's been tough. Those that don't underestimate open finance are waiting to retire before they have to catch up. But Bianco thinks DeFi is taking over sooner than they think. And when it does, they'll be just like taxi drivers in a ride-sharing world. Bianco believes the biggest risk is U.S. regulation, but he sees it as a risk to the U.S., not to DeFi. He believes the U.S.'s stifling regulatory environment will force innovation to start elsewhere. It will likely grow in the developing world and then come to the U.S. and, as he put it, completely flatten everything else. Before we get to it, here's a word about our sponsors. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bal for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bal tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. Check out Kraken, where you can earn additional rewards by staking some of your favorite DeFi assets. With more than 1 billion in crypto staked, including 350,000 ETH, Kraken has paid out 27 million worth of rewards to their clients. Pay a trade twice a week and you can earn up to 20% annually. Sign up today at kraken.com and start earning some of the most popular DeFi assets, including Polkadot, Uniswap, Aave, and more. Sirion offers a simple interface to access and use decentralized finance. You can connect your favorite wallet, trade tokens, liquidity provider shares, and vaults in a single transaction. And then you'll be able to track your PL, average costs, and fees paid. All of this now is also available on mobile. Ensign provides an easy way to build, scale, and monetize DeFi investment strategies. If high gas prices are shutting you out of DeFi, fear not. Ensign is now running a gas subsidy program. The app makes it easy for investors to pull together on strategies lowering costs. The Enzyme interface allows anyone to trade, lend, deposit to AMM pools, farm, stake, and more. It is a non-custodial solution and allows for real-time reporting, security, and transparency. Sign up today on Enzyme.finance. Blockchain technology is a series of compromises, whether it be on speed, decentralization, or security. No Layer 1 protocol supports everything enterprises, developers, and consumers need. Casper aims to provide the blockchain ecosystem with a solution that makes no compromises around decentralization, security, or performance. Learn more at casper.network. All right. Okay, so um, here we are with Jim Bianco. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for joining me in the Define podcast. I'm really excited to, to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So Jim Bianco has uh, decades of experience as a macro uh, market researcher. 
Um, he's been leading his firm, Bianco Research, since 1990. And before that, he was at UBS, um, First Boston, Shearson Lehman Brothers. But recently, uh, Jim has turned his attention to DeFi. So I'm very interested and curious to hear your thoughts. I've been uh, reading your tweets and, and seeing some of your podcasts where you've been extremely bullish on crypto. And uh, that is surprising given uh, your kind of like very much at the heart of like Wall Street and traditional finance. I mean, we're seeing more and more of, of this shift, uh, but just like very curious to hear your experience uh, in this space. Um, but before we got uh, we get into that, I'd love to just hear more of, of your background, more about what Bianco Research is all about and what led you to crypto in the first place. Yeah, so uh, we're going to scare everybody away. Oh my God, you're talking to a boomer from traditional finance. Although I do think of myself as, an older Gen X, but that's a, a different conversation. So I've been involved in the um, traditional financial markets, <coughs> excuse me, since uh, since the stock market crash of 87. Mm -hmm. So I go back, you know, almost 33 years now in the markets. And I worked on, I worked on Wall Street in the 1980s uh, and into the 1990s. And then I moved to an institutional bond brokerage firm called Arbor Research and Trading. And in 1998, so 23 years, it'll be April 1st, I started my own firm, Bianco Research, which is a, um, it's an advisory firm where we, we publish research and offer um, ideas and advisory uh, in a traditional uh, payment model um, to, uh, for uh, traditional financial people. Our focus is macro. Mm -hmm. So that mainly means, you know, interest rates, Fed policy, the economy, but it also means the stock market, the currency markets, a little bit of politics, and wherever else I want to go with it. The beauty about being at a shop with my name on it is I can go anywhere I want, and I can you know try and bring my customer base, which is a traditional financial customer base, uh, along for the ride. And so I've gone in various different directions, um, you know, over the over the last many years. Uh, and uh, the newest one in the last couple of years has been cryptos in uh, DeFi, which I've been um, trying to talk up a little bit more than being a traditional financial boomer guy and basically arguing, when is all this stuff going to go to zero and go away? It actually isn't. And that's what I'm trying to get across to a lot of the traditional financial people. So interesting. So what made you become convinced that this isn't going to zero or going away? Um, I've been playing, first of all, I've been playing in this markets. I opened my first Coinbase account in 2017. So I've been playing in these markets <coughs> for about four years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, I was traditionally playing it in Bitcoin. And um, I was struggling to understand the bigger picture of Bitcoin. This is 2017-18. And uh, to put it bluntly, I, I thought of it as a competitor to a gambling site. You know, just mm. plunk your money down and bet whether or not the, the little horse is going to go up or go down. And that's mm. basically all I saw is Bitcoin. I still think a lot of uh, financial people think that that's what Bitcoin is to this day. So they couldn't really see the bigger picture. Then DeFi summer came. Uh, I had been aware of DeFi before last summer. Uh, then DeFi summer came and I started delving into it a little bit. You know, I got my MetaMask wallet. I started connecting the sites. I started doing a little bit of yield farming, um, you know, started investigating NFTs. And it just occurred to me that this is a brand new financial system hmm. and that this is going to replace the current CFI financial system. In my chair, I have been somewhat critical of this current financial system. I think it's slow, it's cumbersome, it's obtuse. There's way too much permissioning. I have to get, you know, permission from everybody to do everything, mm -hmm. you know, including the ultimate permissioning is know your customer, which is I have to beg my broker to let me do stuff, uh, which I find to be, you know, anti-human rights, if you want to go that far mm -hmm. uh, with, with, with some of that stuff. And I've always found that the financial system is operated, the current one, is just a series of toll booths that they would just continually take money. I still don't understand why it takes me two days to send money to somebody through some kind of a transfer. 
because the ACH and the SWIFT systems are so old and antiquated as well too. So I was always of the mind that this system was going to be ripe for some kind of a disruption. Mm. And when I saw DeFi, I started to see where that disruption was going to come from. And I started to understand that this is going to be where it goes. When people ask me a question, well, you know, how do I invest in DeFi? And how do I, you know, take advantage of that if I believe what you're believing? And I've said, this is the problem. There's lots of protocols. There's two major systems. You know, there's the Ethereum network and the Binance Smart Chain network. Um, there might be more. There will be more protocols that come along. And I've said to them, you know, quit thinking like Warren Buffett, that this is a racetrack, horse racetrack, and they're going to shut down the racetrack. Nope, you got to pick the right horse. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be tricky. But what I do feel comfortable with is the current system's in trouble because the current system, they don't get it and they don't want to get it. And they want to be like Paul Singer of Elliott Management, who just says, you know, I'm just biding my time until I could say, I told you so, is, mm -hmm. is the kind of his attitude about this. So that's kind of where I've been mm -hmm. cutting through with a lot of this to try and say, no, nope, this is coming. I might not be able to tell you whether or not it's going to be Uniswap or SushiSwap or PancakeSwap or some version of it or another swap that hasn't been created yet as to which will be the, the main protocol that will win out above all the other ones, uh, but one of them will. And when it does, the current system that we look is going to look like it's standing in place. You're going to look like a bunch of taxi drivers in a ride-sharing world is what mm. you're going to wind up with. I completely agree. So it's interesting that it was actually DeFi what convinced you of the value of blockchain technology. I mean, not, not really Bitcoin, but just seeing how DeFi is helping build really a new financial system from the ground up. One of the problems that, one of the complaints that people had about blockchain technology, I'm going back to 2017, 18, when mm -hmm. I first got started, is all oh, this blockchain technology is going to change the world. Okay, where's the application? It's been around for eight years. You know, any, any kind of just, um, transformative technology doesn't take eight years for people to figure out what to do with it. Mm -hmm. It becomes almost obvious what you're going to do with it. When the internal combustion engine was invented, it didn't take eight years to figure out that we could make an automobile. We knew that right away. It just then, you know, to follow up on my, my analogy, by 1900 in the United States, there was over 100 automobile companies in the United States because we all knew where we were going to go. And then eventually it turned out to be the big three about 30 years later. And we were all trying to get there. When I saw DeFi, I was like, ah, Here's what you can do with this blockchain technology. It's not some, you know, IBM commercial where they talk about tracking fresh vegetables. It's like, really? They put together DeFi and that's the best you could come up with is to track fresh vegetables. That it's something a little bit bigger than that. And that's why when I saw it, I was like, they're creating a whole new financial system. And, there's, and the current trading and everything else is stress testing that system so that it will be ready for prime time when you start to introduce it to the real economy. So do you, um, what's missing for it to be ready for prime time? Is it like, I mean, you've been testing this stuff. Is it the, the UX is, is still kind of too difficult? Um, is it like scaling? Is it regulation, all of the above? Like what are kind of the pieces missing for you? Yeah, I think it's all of the above. I think that um, the biggest concern I have right now is when I talk to traditional people, they think that, oh, so I open a Coinbase account and then I can yield farm out of my Coinbase account. Hmm. It's a little more complicated than that. You got to go open a wallet and you got to start moving to the next and the next level. And admittedly, that is way beyond maybe 98% of the of the country, maybe 99% of the country. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare tell my mother to, um, you know, uh, my, my 84 year old mother, I would not tell her, oh yeah, mom. So you will go open a Coinbase account. Then you will open a MetaMask account and you would transfer your money into MetaMask. And then you will connect to um, Uniswap and then you will do some <laughs> yield farming. So go figure it out, mom. Good luck. Mm -hmm. You know, 
we're a ways away from that. You know, mm-hmm. we have to get that system so that somebody like her could actually pull it off. Um, the other problem I have with is regulation. <laughs> I think that the current set of regulations is doing the U.S. a tremendous disservice. Mm. I can't trade Binance Coin on my Coinbase account. Uh, I can't trade Ripple. If you're in the United States and you're in, in New York, you can't trade Tether anymore. There's a bunch of AML, anti-money laundering, and KYC know your customer rules that basically block you out. And what I've tried to tell people is what you need to understand about this new DeFi system is it will start in the third world and it will grow from there in the second world, third world. And then it will come here and completely flatten you because you are not allowed to play in this in the sandbox and you are not allowed to go there in a lot of different ways because we've got all these regulations to protect you, but we're shutting you out. So it's just going to come from the rest of the world imposing it on us. Mm. And that's why we're not, we, the United States, I don't see us in any way being the leader in this. I I think we are going to, it's going to be rammed down our throat is what it's going to be. And part of the reason is, as it's traditional finance guy, I'll come back to, I know traditional financial people that have accounts on Coinbase. And they just think that, that, speculating up and down on the price of Bitcoin, that's it. Or maybe I'll get fancy and do it on Ethereum too. Have you opened the MetaMask wallet? Have you looked at some of these, uh, what's MetaMask? And have you looked at yield farming? What's yield farming? Have you looked at what's going on in the DeFi space? What's DeFi? Matter of fact, a friend of mine did a, um, a quick search on the Wall Street Journal website. And in the last year, there's only four references to the word DeFi in the Wall Street Journal in the last year. No one has any idea what this stuff is. And so they think what it is, is just this gambling on this made up thing called Bitcoin, whether it will go up or down. And that's it. That's all it is. And that's why they think it's dumb or it's rat poison squared, as as Warren Buffett calls it. Mm -hmm. And they cannot see the applications because I've even had some of them say, well, I went on my Coinbase account. Where's this DeFi thing you're talking about? And it's like, well, you're not going to see it there. You know, so that's on the industry as well too. the, um, the, the, the education of the industry to make the people aware of this. I mean, I'll admit it's, it's, it's not easy to do this. Hmm. Uh, I, I am more computer savvy than most. I think I'm not, nearly as computer savvy as many, but there are hordes of people that are in executive positions at, you know, uh, traditional C5 firms or traditional financial firms that think high technology is successfully sending a group text, Uh, you know, and you've got to get those people to understand this stuff. And it's too much to get them to ask them to open a MetaMask account. Hmm. So the customer front ends and stuff like that have to get better. Uh, the, the, um, the protections for people have to get better. This whole rug pull thing's got to go away. It's got to go away as quickly as possible because Mm -hmm. it will do nothing but damage the credibility of, of, uh, of the industry as we get more and more of those rug pulls. And I understand there's some auditing processes that are in place to help trying to get rid of it. Mm. Um, okay. So I, I, I guess like for one, tell everyone, all, all of uh, those traditional finance guys to su- subscribe to The Defiant if they want to read <laughs> more, more about DeFi. Um, right. But the other, I mean, the other piece is, so how how are institutional investors and uh, traditional finance um, considering uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? So... Okay, so just as something to buy on on Coinbase to speculate, or is it really at least starting to be considered as an asset class that that you can just put a a percentage of your portfolio in and maybe that will lead the way into DeFi? Um, Or or is that like still not not, uh, even kind of a a consideration, like crypto as a new asset class? It's not a consideration yet. There's too many rules uh, around traditional finance that will not allow them to, you know, even speculate in Coinbase, which is why you keep hearing for all these calls about Bitcoin ETFs and the Grayscale Trust, 
um, you know, uh, micro strategies or, or as, as another option as well, too. And even those, it's all about Bitcoin mm -hmm. is, is, really, is really what it is. When you start getting into explaining stable coins to them and explaining borrowing and lending and, and go look at Abe, go look at Compound and go look at what they're doing in the traditional financial space, you know, ice glaze over. They, they've never heard these phrases uh, as well. So they can't really push their customers into it unless a regulated traditional financial structure comes into place that allows that. And the only ones that there are really out there are Bitcoin ones. You know, Michael Saylor is buying Bitcoin for micro strategies. Uh, and so he's not playing in any of the tokens for the um, DeFi exchanges yet. Uh, uh, Elon Musk is only bought Bitcoin as well too. Square is only really talking about Bitcoin. MasterCard is only really talking about Bitcoin. Now, unless you update me on something else, I'm not hearing them talk about stable coins or any of the other things that people can do with a lot of this money. So it leaves people the impression that the crypto universe is like three currencies. It's mm -hmm. like, it's Bitcoin, it's Ethereum and shit coins. And then, and then you just bet, you just speculate on whether or not they're going to go up or down. Uh, and that's where I think that everybody really struggles because they, they're, they're, they're not aware. Uh, uh, they're not aware. So they might do it in their personal accounts, but they definitely can't. If you're a traditional money manager, if you're a traditional mutual fund manager, you can't do it in those accounts. You can't even get, you know, the Winklevi twins can't even get an ETF pushed over the finish line. Right. Um, as, as well, too, that would bring it to the, the, you know, to bring it to the to the masses. Galaxy is another way that they're trying to bring it to the masses as well, mm -hmm. too. But that's just that's just one person that's really trying to push it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I mean, at the same same time, um, a couple of years ago, this wasn't even happening with Bitcoin, right? So maybe you can say Bitcoin in institutions and in big public companies is the first step that will lead to um, them eventually get getting into Ethereum and discovering what um, DeFi is 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 all about, and that there's actual kind of utility in these protocols beyond speculating. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because I, I I definitely believe the idea that Bitcoin will be the store of value. It will take the role of gold mm -hmm. as in the current CFI system as well. And if I could, I, I the, the people I detest the most are the Bitcoin maximalists that think that, you know, everything else has to go to zero and all you need is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. you know, the day you're right, everything else goes to zero is the day your $54,000 Bitcoin is worth three bucks because Bitcoin cannot survive without DeFi and DeFi needs Bitcoin. They mm -hmm. both need each other right now. So it is a good way to get them involved into the system um, by, by, by playing Bitcoin. The other problem I think that they have um, right now is once they start meandering into the DeFi world, the dozen or so that I've been, you know, trying to say, hey, look at this, look at this. And they're like, holy crap, look at these gas fees. Are you kidding me? I thought this was supposed to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. EIP-1559 and Ethereum 2 is coming. That will be taken care of over time. And what I try to, you know, um, counsel them on is, Look at the potential. Don't get hung up on the immediate problems that it mm -hmm. has. They will get worked out over time. Um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the when you, you looked at version 1.0 of Snapchat or 1.0 of Uber, you would have said, this is a buggy piece of crap. It's, it's, it's not usable. But look at the potential of what it could be and not what it is at this moment. These problems will get solved. And these gas fee problems will get solved over time uh, as well, too. 100%. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, a, a good analogy is looking at just at the Internet itself. You know, I mean, I think we all can remember uh, dialing up uh, to, to, you know, to plug into the Internet and hearing kind of the dial tone and how slow it was to just load one picture. Yeah. And now, like you're scrolling through Instagram seamlessly, like who would have imagined that that sort of progress? And I think that's kind of the the um, the stage we're at with with Ethereum and 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 the, this kind of uh, decentralized uh, 
ledger-based finance. Uh, we're kind of at the very, very early stages. So 100% agree kind of. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that when you see the potential, I think what you will you will definitely see is not just cost savings, but exponential cost savings that could come from this new DeFi system. And I might even add to, you know, most of my client base is traditional money managers. They're looking to generate alpha. So they're looking to outperform some kind of an index. And they ask me for opinions about where to exploit opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it is really difficult in the current financial system to generate any kind of alpha because the system has gotten so efficient and is so hamstrung. That's why in the traditional space, everybody keeps moving their money towards ETFs and low cost index funds um, and the like. And there's a few exceptions to that, you know, Kathy Wood at ARC being the big one um, right now. But I said in the new DeFi world, if you get in there early, there's going to be tremendous alpha opportunities for a, a traditional manager who's just looking to exploit opportunities to make money where it's very difficult. You know, if you're in the business of maybe I'll invest in healthcare stocks this week and consumer product stocks next week and maybe rotate over to financials and back to technology, man, almost nobody makes, actually, you know, almost nobody adds anything above the index that's mm. doing that. But in the DeFi world, I think for the next several years, if you can get involved with that space, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for traditional managers just to basically understand what's going on and basically say, this is not going to make it. This is going to make it. Let's all go over here and buy these tokens. Let's avoid these tokens over time. I, you know, but so you can really make your mark in this space as it mm. moves forward. That, that's a great point. And are your um, your your clients are any of them starting to to experiment in that space, or at least asking about it? Yes, and let me let me be blunt about my clients. Mm -hmm. um, I love them all. Thank you very much. First of all, and but let me put them in the two broad categories: younger and older. And mm -hmm. I see this with all technology. The younger crowd is more adept to want to play on it. Let's call them under 45, maybe under 50. They definitely want to take a look at what's going on in this space. Maybe they'll play with it in a personal account or something like that. The over 45 crowd does, or the over 50 crowd, especially the over 60 crowd. And unfortunately, over 60 crowd is usually the senior managers. Mm. They all play the same game is that they've done with every disruptive technology. Yeah, maybe this is coming. Yeah, maybe this is going to change the world. Yeah, maybe this is going to disrupt my business line or my business model or me personally. But I'm 61. My bet is this is five years away. And I'll just I'll just ride it out to 65, take my gold watch in retirement and walk away. And I've always got the same answer for them every time. You ain't gonna make it. You ain't gonna make it. It's 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 gonna come on you a lot faster than you think, and the disruption is gonna be a lot worse than you think. If you think that I'm just too old and too set in my ways to just, you know, let it ride out. There was a bunch of 60-year-old taxi drivers that said, yeah, 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 this, this, this ride-sharing thing is coming. But I got a couple of more years in behind this wheel and I'll get a little bit more regulated taxi money and then I'll retire. Mm -hmm. And the next thing they know is no one's, no one's hailing them for a ride and their taxi token is worth nothing. And so they, they waited too long or they refused. And you see that all the time, the older crowd, and it's just not my customers, but it's older crowds in general mm -hmm. with any disruption, they all wanna play beat the clock. Yeah, I get it, it's coming, but I can milk this current way that I do business for another five more years and then just walk away. And it's the guys behind me, it's their problem. Well, the guys behind you are figuring out how to deal with it, you're the impediment. And that's the hardest part to go about is to, to teach somebody something that's been in a business for 25 years or 30 years doing something a certain way and saying, you got to open your mind that maybe the way that you've been doing it needs to change. And it needs to change sooner than you think. And dragging your feet is not the answer. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I, I think, I mean, this is coming 
anyways, you know, wh whether they adopt it or not. So um, well, they're hoping that when it comes, they're retired, they're in Florida, you right. know, uh, living in their retirement and uh, going to their 430 early bird dinners. And it's somebody else's problem. It's not their problem anymore. And That's okay, so when when this when this kind of revolution happens, like if, if DeFi ends up disrupting Wall Street and, and finance, do you think um, current uh, traditional finance institutions, should they be worried about DeFi protocols coming and taking their, their customers or is it the other way around? And will uh, big Wall Street institutions come and adapt and build their own kind of DeFi offerings and take current like emerging DeFi protocols users away? Um, I think it's going to come to the former. It's going to be that the DeFi protocols are going to take it away from them. Hmm. What's going to happen is the current Wall Street institutions are going to try and build their own coins. We got JP Morgan coin and, and, and various other versions of that as well, too. Hmm. The Fed is talking about creating Fed coin. It's talking about increasing our uh, the fed is talking about you know revising the fed payment systems to make them more real and, and by the way they've perfectly they've they've already stated that they intend on having all this stuff in five years mm -hmm. so they're going to have their version 1.0 in five years game's going to be over in five years you know and 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 remember the way that they're going to work they're going to take 2015 technology They're going to start implementing it, uh, start creating on that platform in 2020, and they're going to introduce that 2015 technology in 2025. And they're going to say, wow, look at, look at us on the cutting edge of the revolution. Uh, you know, we're going to give you centralized 10-year-old technology is what we're going to wind up giving you. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to throw up all these regulations and impediments to anybody competing in the space with them. Mm -hmm. Janet Yellen who knows absolutely nothing whatsoever about um, cryptocurrencies and DeFi. She knows nothing about how the financial markets work when she said she had to deeply understand, uh, you know, what happened with GameStop, which is a uh, code word for I don't get it uh, as well, is, is still worried about, you know, the potential that drug dealers are using Bitcoin for transactions. Really, I thought we got past that around 2015. Right. That, uh, that that that's not an issue. And the FBI actually loves it because they can exactly. go into the blockchain and everything else. But that's part and parcel of they're going to try and keep the traditional CFI out by giving you a centralized version of it run by them, which still requires their permissioning, which is why I said it's going to start in the rest of the world. Mm. And it's going to grow so big in the rest of the world, it's going to be forced on us Because we're going we're gonna to look and we're going to say, to do any business outside the United States, we have to do business in this DeFi world. Mm -hmm. And that what the world that we have is just hamstringing us and putting us at a competitive disadvantage. That's my fear, is that they will not let it go and they will not embrace it. JP Morgan's got JP Morgan coin, centralized permission coin is what they what they got, you know, brought to you by the same guy that was going to fire anybody in 2018 that was trading in Bitcoin mm -hmm. as well. So they're well, they're not close to where they want to go. Uh, Citibank just put out a big 108 page report about uh, DeFi and cryptocurrencies. Uh, actually put out, excuse me, they put out a big report about cryptocurrency, oh, 108 yeah. pages. DeFi first appeared, I, 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 Did a search on the um, on the uh, Acrobat uh, on the Adobe document. DeFi first appeared on page 68. Yeah, and one, their big, and one of their big conclusions was these guys have to adhere to the same rules that we are. We have these suffocating, terrible uh, regulations that we've put this financial system under, and now here comes a new version of the financial system. Bury them with the same rules is basically what their re recommendation was. That's just going to keep the U.S. behind. The rest of the world is all that's going to do. They should mm -hmm. be talking about tearing down some of these suffocating rules that we have, which keep the costs up, which keeps the system unfair, which keeps everybody shut out. You know, you know, you, and so, but they're not thinking of it in that way. Everybody thinks about it as how do I protect my own turf without with as little disruption as possible? And that's the way I think that the traditional banks are going to do it. And that's why it's going to be forced on them 
and not that they're going to be leading the way in, 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 as, as far as I could see. Maybe some fintech companies might mm-hmm. um, lead the way. Maybe some fintech companies that don't exist might be leading the way. Uh, maybe some of the Silicon Valley companies might lead the way. You know, um, when Amazon, Amazon decides to accept payment in cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. or something like that, that will be a game changer, but it won't be, I don't think, traditional finance. So interesting because I think a, a big argument um, to to be cautious about DeFi is uh, the U.S. regulatory environment and how one day you know they, they can easily come down on um, U.S. traders and say it's illegal to hold stable coins and then you know like the argument goes DeFi is dead but you're saying DeFi will actually thrive outside of the U.S. and then you know U.S. Like citizens, users will be will be kind of forced to to use uh, these protocols created outside of the U.S. If you look at um, some of the things about um, electronic payments and who does electronic payments around the world, you you'd find that the U.S. is near the lower end of the scale. We still like to hand plastic credit cards to people, and that we're not really you know a little bit of Apple Pay and Android Pay, but that's about it. Let me give you the example that I've always used, and that is uh, M-Pesa in Kenya. So in, you know, in the third world, they never had 100% landline um, uh, uh, penetration like we do in the United States. Every Mm -hmm. single building in the United States has a copper wire going into it. Every house has a copper wire going into it that you could get a POTS, a plain old telephone service line in it as well. They never had that. So when cell phones came, and they looked around and said, we can't, we can't run 100 million miles of copper wire all over Kenya. We can put up a dozen or two dozen cell phone towers and everybody can connect that way. Now these, these subsistent farmers in Kenya, they have M-Pesa that you, they're taking old technology phones. Whatever happened to your iPhone 5 that you had that you traded in you know, three generations ago, it's probably someone in Kenya is using it. And through M-Pesa, they text money back and forth to each other. That's their banking system. They are further ahead than us in doing that. And, and at night in some of these um, subsistent farmer villages, there's a Honda generator char- charging a hundred phones overnight. And then that's, so when you bring to them a decentralized system that says, we just need to text money back and forth to each other, uh, they're ready. I've heard from Americans, oh, this will never work in the third world because in the third world, everything is bribery and corruption and you need like hard physical currency to bribe the border guard. Like, really? Have you noticed that they're all sending money to each other on their phones now? Mm-hmm. They're doing it now. So to just port them over from sending Kenyan shillings or American dollars to some other form of a token is not going to be the big stretch right. that everybody thinks it's going to be. Uh, they're there. You know, you, the, the infrastructure is waiting for the token as opposed to let's build the token and then we've got to build out the infrastructure around it. In a lot of places, you know, in the third world and in the Middle East, they're already doing it. So they're ready. And if that becomes the de facto standard for two billion people in the world, then the U.S. is going to be at a competitive disadvantage because the de facto standard right now for those people is the U.S. dollar. And that the U.S. dollar starts to lose its reserve currency status to whatever DeFi protocol or whatever stablecoin seems to supplant it as we move forward from here. That's, I mean, that brings up an, an interesting point. What if um, uh, a competitor to the U.S. in the global stage, say China, takes a lead on something like this and is very... Um, just you know is um very aggressive with its like blockchain policy i guess you can call it and uh, issues its own um chinese uh cbdc and it just has it's like the, the entire country using blockchain technology how how will that play out i mean i mean that that can't be i mean that's not good for the us but it's not good for defi either right uh it won't it, it won't. Um, one of the reasons that the Chinese currency will never become the reserve currency in its current status, mm-hmm. the yuan, is because it's not convertible and there is a, there is a rule of law problem in, in China. Well, that's going to apply to their CBDC. 
It's going to apply to the U.S. CBDC as well, too. Uh, it might get everybody, you know, more aware of what's going on, but I still don't think that a non-permissionless system will work because at the end of the day, what have you gained by issue by by trading in a CBDC issued by China? Is it cheaper? Is it more flexible? What is it that it offers you that is so much better than what the current system is that you would just abandon the current system for that? And the answer, I'm still waiting for that answer. It's kind of the same thing that I've talked about with FedCoin or you know the CBDC by the Fed. It, you know the problem, and, I, and I've and I've publicly stated and I've stated here. I don't think there'll ever be one, or if there is, it'll never be serious because if the Fed were to create a Fed coin, and you can apply the same thing to China, right? Mm-hmm. All right, we've poof, we've created Fed coin. Okay, how do I use it? Oh, I have to go down the Citibank and open an account and use Fed coin. It, it's accomplished nothing at that point. Nothing has changed. Right. Or if I open an account with the Fed directly and I use Fed coin. You have now cannibalized your existing uh, commercial banking system, and the Fed will never do that. Mm-hmm. And the Fed has essentially said that we have to figure out how to do this, and that's what code word is. If we let me have an account at the Fed, goodbye commercial banking system. If you create Fed coin, and then I have to go through Citibank or J.P. Morgan or Wells Fargo to access it, you've accomplished nothing at that point. Uh, and so I see the Chinese is kind of being the same way. They'll create it, but if it's still a centralized, permission-needed uh, version of this, they have not done anything that's going to really move the needle. They certainly haven't brought down the costs um, along that way or made the system perceived to be fair or opened it up to the billion of unbanked people in the world to get them involved in this system. I don't see how that would help do any of that. And that's why I think that ultimately a permissionless decentralized system that we're talking about is the only way it could come. It'll be cheap, it'll be affordable, it'll be understandable, it'll be fair. And that's what'll get everybody into that system right now. And actually open and accessible to to everyone in 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 a like just global financial system that we that just isn't available right now. Like each financial system is limited to its own geography. Um so uh, an, an actual defi system it just lowers those barriers and allows access to to everyone right so. i mean and i'll just remind the traditional financial people go to the un website and go look at there is on the un website there's under the statistical data there's some data about cell phone penetration per country and you go look at the poorest countries in the world and there's still what percentage of the poorest countries in the world do people have cell phones it's 80% right now hmm. you know in in a, in some medium poor countries, it's over 100%. So they've already got the tool in their hands. Here's my, here's my cell phone. They got the tool in their hands ready to use DeFi. They just need to bring that to them. So it isn't going to be about, see, I know a lot of people think, a lot of people watch too much Hollywood and they think that in these countries that they're all, you know, they're all, they're all in the barter system trading diamonds if they're rich or something like that, you know, in order to make commerce go. It's a little more sophisticated than they think it is, mm-hmm. uh, as 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 well. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see where where it goes. Uh, and you know, they're all in LTE connections too. Don't don't kid yourself. You know, you know, traditional Americans that think that they're all stuck on two uh, G networks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 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 a lot more advanced in the poor countries than you think. So that this CFI system is got it's it's got its accessible. It's got its portal for everybody all ready to go. Yeah. Um, so, so decentralization does matter. Like how how actually decentralized and permissionless a like the underlying uh, network is. Because at the end of the day, what the system probably won't have is it won't have consumer protections that Americans are used to. So you know, one of the great examples is if um, if my credit card gets stolen. And I get a whole bunch of unknown charges on my credit card because of the consumer protections we have. I call my bank, say, that's not me. And in a day or two, they credit me back all that lost money. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you pay for it and higher fees and stuff like that along the way. But the perception is you've got this consumer protection. So now if you're going to go to a DeFi system, you're probably not going to have that consumer protection anymore. 
Uh, and so well, why would I abandon this system and go to that system? Because that system's fair. That system is is fair and it's and hopefully it's not now, it's easy to use. And because of that, the costs are much, much lower in that system. I mean, orders and orders of magnitude lower. That's why you would use that system over the current system um, as well too. So in order for that system to work, it's got to start off with being fair and being permissionless is really pretty much the only way it's going to be fair. Code is law, here's the rules. You qualify or you don't, and if you qualify, you don't need a banker or you don't need a bureaucrat to bless you. You can mm -hmm. just go do it. Okay. Uh, and if you don't qualify, you don't qualify, and don't go ask for special permission. And so, but and there might be other protocols that if you don't qualify for this protocol, you could pro qualify for that protocol as well too. That's what'll bid people, I think, to go into that system and abandon the system that they have now, because as much. You know, like I said, one of the reasons that people, I think, tolerate the credit card system that we have now is because they everybody's identity gets stolen and everybody gets their money back uh, mm. as well. too. So that's what you've got to overcome. And the only way I could see that being is in a decentralized system. Some kind of permission system still has this era of selectivity or corruption associated with it that makes people skeptical of it. Uh, they're going to find a way to screw me. Yeah, this is completely open and it's and it's straightforward and there isn't a special deal for these people, but not for you. It's all, you know, everybody gets the same thing, kind of like the Internet. It, 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 you know, it's kind of like the Internet. There isn't there isn't the billionaire browser that they get to have that gives them special access to things that you don't get with your regular Chrome or Firefox browser. It's it's the same thing and it's fair for everybody. Um, as well too, and everybody can use it equally the same way. Yeah, and it's important that nobody has the power to shut everyone, uh, anyone out. Like nobody can uh, ban your account. Uh, they they can't censor your transactions. They can't tell you you you're I don't know in this business that's frowned upon, so you can't open an account on this blockchain. Like you know, right. nobody has the power to do that. So in that right. sense, like maybe like blockchains like like ethereum or or i don't know polka dot or like like more decentralized blockchains should win out from something like binance which is controlled by a centralized exchange right i think you know you know as far as the the, the binance smart chain i think it's it's great because it's bringing along competition and that's not a bad thing mm -hmm. it's also great because it's introduced the direct appeal of that people care about gas fees. So they go play on the Binance Smart Chain with PancakeSwap because it's cheap. Um, but it all, and that will work for a while, you mm. know, especially until maybe Ethereum 2.0 comes around and the gas fees start coming down. But at some point, if the Binance Smart Chain is to be considered longer term, it's got to start to decentralize. I understand the sure. trilemma that you can only uh, optimize two of the three things and the Binance Smart Chain has decided to um, you know, let decentralization go to optimize speed and, mm -hmm. and costs and stuff where the other ones uh, are, are sacrificing higher costs for decentralization. So you've got to go towards decentralization or it's not going to work on the Ethereum chain. you got to go towards no cost or mm -hmm. it's not going to work either. Because if you don't make it vastly cheaper, because what have we learned about technology is you don't invent a technology that makes the current system 5% cheaper. You've invented technology that makes it 95% cheaper. And right. that's when you get everybody to come across. So the biggest problem the Ethereum blockchain has is those gas fees. And they, I believe they'll get solved, but they've got to get solved. Uh, right. Otherwise, that will be that will debilitate that system. And the Binance Smart Chain has got to solve the decentralized nugget, or it will debilitate their system mm -hmm. uh, as well, too. Totally. Um, what are your thoughts on NFTs? Uh, I think they could be the biggest game changer of everything as far as MF, NFTs go. Now, let me be clear on this. Um, I, I don't get the digital art thing, you know, that people are trading digital art, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. I never understood, you know, why Ken Griffin pays $150 million for a Rembrandt either uh, as well. Uh, I could uh, um, uh, buy a, a copy of those paintings now that are computer generated for less than a thousand dollars that are so good that it'll fool some of the experts in thinking it is an original. Uh, so I don't get that. But when I look at 
non-fungible tokens and what they're trying to do, I think that they could be the replacement for royalties, for stocks, for bonds. They could replace the entire financial system. It will open up companies to a whole new world that they've not been used to right now. Right now, what is your choice as a company? You either issue debt or you issue equity and your capital stack is somewhat limited. This becomes completely unlimited. We could issue tokens for divisions, profitability. We could issue tokens that are secured against particular assets. Uh, we could issue tokens that allow for royalties on certain um, uh, rights that we own. We can keep going on, 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 and on down the line. Mark Cuban has talked about you know, that someday the Dallas Mavericks, which he owns, will issue token NFTs maybe for all of their seats at basketball games. And then there will be a royalty written in the smart contract. So if it ever trades above the fee, that they'll get some kind of a royalty. So I don't get the art thing, but that's fine. That's just me. I don't also don't get Rembrandt's either uh, as well. Um, but I do see that MNFTs, once that system is robust enough and brought to the, you know, to the a, a real economy, can fundamentally change the whole purpose of a stock or a bond or a stock exchange or bond trading in, in ways that we can only now begin to imagine. So I do think that there's a, a huge upside on the NFT world. Mm. So maybe NFTs will become kind of the new protocol for for at least some types of securities. Yes, because of their because of their uniqueness um, as well, too. You know, just like because what can happen is company can issue an uh, almost an infinite number of securities, uh, mm -hmm. depending on how they want to finance certain business lines, how they want to securitize certain assets uh, as well, too. They, I know that some will, oh, they do that now. Yeah, they do that now in a very obtuse and closed and permissioned way that no one understands half the equipment lease financings that they do. And it's always done, you know, insider to insider and it's private transaction. Mm -hmm. This opens it up to everybody else uh, as well too, and allows for flexibility among businesses all the way down to small businesses that they don't have right now. That's what I see in the NFT space and what I see could potentially be coming um, in the NFT space. I also think for content creators, It could open up a whole new world for them um, as well, too. What Kings of Leon is now going to issue a, an album using an NFT uh, mm -hmm. as well. And when it trades, it's got a royalty written into it so that, you know, you don't throw your you don't throw your copyrighted content out there in the world and you never know what happens with it. And you're you're missing out on all of your uh, potential royalties in this world. You are then able to continue to track all your royalties in a very straightforward and easy to do way yeah. uh, as well too. And it will encourage more content creators in the future as well. Yeah, no, it, it is a game changer. And so uh, to, to start wrapping up, um, we have a like super experienced macro strategy strategist here in the podcast. So definitely want to get your, your thoughts on How does the current macro environment um, affect cryptocurrencies? Um, it more than ever. I think that there's two things that I, I've noticed with cryptos um, as well, too. So one is because of DeFi and because of yield farming and liquidity pools, I've done a little bit of studying on this. My impression is, is that a lot of the uh, relationships between like types of currencies, Ethereum and Uniswap, They're, they're becoming more correlated to each other. Your impairment losses are becoming less. Mm -hmm. uh, not a long way, but they're becoming less because they're moving more in line with each other, moving in line more with um, uh, Bitcoin as well, too. So you see, like the day we're recording is a strong update in Bitcoin and in Ethereum and in a lot of other uh, cryptos. They're all going up. And that suggests that they're starting to take on some kind of a asset class mentality and it isn't just a bunch of random tokens all going up down up down and sideways all at the same time always mm -hmm. uh is second of all because of yield farming and because of <clears throat> liquidity pools and stuff all of a sudden now the real financial world and interest rates and the fear of inflation and financial risk or uh, financial stability is starting to impact these these cryptocurrencies 
these DeFi tokens as well too. So they they start now trading more like um, financial assets, or mm. they started hearing more to financial asset properties, and and that's good because if you want to make the case that they are going to be the replacement for the CFI world, they ought to start acting like they're the replacement for the CFI world. And that's exactly what they're starting to do. They're mm -hmm. not just these random tokens. Like I said, when I first started trading Bitcoin in 2017, I still had this impression that I couldn't figure out what drove it at the time, um, other than maybe memes on, on Twitter. But beyond that, it was like, it was just, it was like betting on a random number generator is what it seemed like it was. But now, you, you're starting to be able to attach fundamental stories to it and attach technical stories to it to understand why it's going up and why it's going down um, as much and acting like an asset class. So I see that as being a positive as it moves forward from here. You know, the day we're recording, the, the, the U.S. stock market is up huge and, um, you know, over 4% on the NASDAQ on this day. And Bitcoin's 55,000 and Ethereum's 1850 or very close to 1850. And I'm hearing, watching Bloomberg TV, that they're, they're equating the two, that they're related to each other. That's good. That's good because you, if you want it to be, you know, it, it's not going to be 100% correlated, but, if you, mm. but on these extreme volatile days in financial markets, if they react, you're now starting to say it's acting like an asset class. And if it is acting like an asset class, it could become an asset class. It could then become a competitor to the CFI world uh, as well, too, because then people have a familiarity with it. I understand what circumstances would cause it to go up and what circumstances would cause it to go down mm -hmm. as well. So I think the outlook for it is very bright. And so which um, to which assets do you think crypto is most correlated to like is it more like a like a risk asset like like stocks or like bitcoin has been usually paired with with gold and so if you're expecting inflation to pick up then that should be good for for bitcoin but i don't know if like if that's the same for something like ethereum and and defi tokens yeah i think that you know i buy the argument for gold and for bitcoin a store of value Gold, if I was to define what I've always argued gold was for 15 years, as I said, whenever you're unsure about the current financial system and you want to get your money away from it, the, the, the answer was there was no way to do it, but the closest was gold. Mm -hmm. So what would make you unsure of the financial system? Inflation is one. Deflation is another one. Financial crisis is a third. And gold performs very well in all those environments. Now you've got Bitcoin that does the same thing uh, as well, too. And that's why the argument that's made that a 55,000 Bitcoin is roughly 10%, 8% the size of the gold market, that maybe it can go to 500,000 and be the size of the gold market and assume the same role that gold has. I get that argument. I don't know when, but I could definitely see something like that um, happening over time. Hmm. On the other side of the equation, I think you're starting to get some traction with the stable coins and with, with uh, short-term interest rates. I've heard the argument being made, and I don't think, I think conceptually the argument is right. There's two and a quarter trillion dollars in European banks that are being charged every month because they've got negative interest rates. So not only is there two and a half, it's two and a half trillion, uh, two and a half trillion euros in European banks that are getting no interest, but also getting a charge because of negative interest rates. Why don't they move to um, a stable coin? And why don't they go to an Aave or a compound and issue, uh, you know, lend out their stable coin and get 6%. It's a hell of a lot better than minus 50 basis points that they're getting now. Now, I understand there is some risk associated with it. You know, the coin you get back is not the same one. There's risks of hacks. There's, there's the difficulty in doing it. Again, it's mm -hmm. my mother argument, mom, mm -hmm. stop getting zero in a passbook account. Go, 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 uh, go lend out a stable coin on compound. Uh, what? You know, trying to get her to do that on her own is, is, is impossible. But yet that I think is something that will continue to play over time, especially as it becomes easier and easier to do uh, because the front ends of these wallets and everything else, just make it simpler, make it less likely you'll make a mistake uh, as well. Uh, you know, I was joking with my wife about a month ago, I was transferring money to my MetaMask wallet and mm -hmm. my cat jumped up on the desk and I said, 
to my wife, you know, get the cat off the desk because if she steps on the keyboard while I'm trying to transfer this money, it could all go away like that. <laughs> well, hopefully we could set up a system where my cat can step on the keyboard and my money doesn't go poof into the, into the you know, into the ether as well, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, the stable coins, I think, are benefiting from lower interest rates and people starting to at least, if they're not doing it, lending it out. They're under, so they're more and more every day, they're understanding that that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. So they're starting to act more and more like a, an asset class uh, as well, too. Interesting. And for for like DeFi tokens and other like non-Bitcoin tokens, would those be more like stocks? Like if, if there's a lot of stimulus and like just like money flowing around in the economy, are, are those uh, tokens likely to perform well in, in kind of those? conditions? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to my analogy from earlier. You know, in 1900, there was 100 automobile companies. And we all knew in 1900 that the automobile was going to replace the horse and everybody was going to have an automobile company. And that's why we had 100 of these companies. But by 1930, we were down to three companies as well. And, you know, General Motors was the agglomeration of about 50 of them all kind of swallowed up together. Uh, you know, some of the bigger names were Buick and um, and Chevrolet and stuff like that. And Chrysler also had Dodge and stuff. And I see the DeFi tokens as being something of the same as well, too. You're going to have 100 DEX exchanges. You're going to have 100 DEX tokens. But years down the road, we're probably only going to have three to five of them that are really going to be transformational. And, uh, and, the, the, and the hard part is going to be trying to figure out which three to five. And to make it even more difficult, maybe some of those three to five that make it they don't exist right now. They're right. still to, they're still to come um, mm. as well too. And some of the others might might make it as very specialized type of um, um, applications uh, as well too. But we can't have a hundred of these these dex exchanges all operating at the same time. Um, you know, all kind of doing the same thing in different ways. So I kind of analogize it to. What I see with the automobile companies, we all know where we're going, you know, and, you know, and, and like I said, in 1900, I'm sure there were some buggy with manufacturers saying, oh, these automobiles, they always break, they're expensive <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, well, we know where we're going. And, and the answer is we're not going to close all of them down and continue to use horses. We're not going to close all these DEXs down and all these crypto exchanges down and continue to, to beg for permission from the current financial exchanges that we're not going back to. We're going forward. Here, but you know, figuring out how we're going to go forward from here is going to be the trick, and that's why I said earlier that there's a lot of alpha. If you're one that really understands these spaces and really gets it, you could look through this and say these protocols aren't going to make it. These protocols are going to make it. These protocols might have specialized applications that will make them somewhat successful. This one is the home run. You know, you might be able to do that in this space if you really get a deep understanding. I'm not there yet. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be there yet, but I'm trying to right now. Okay, that's awesome way way, way to end. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. Takeaway: DeFi is here to stay in the next hundred years. Uh, we'll we'll it'll still be around. Um, maybe we'll see some of the same protocols today. Maybe we'll see some new ones. But you know those. People who are around researching will be able to get some alpha along the way. <laughs> um, awesome, Jim. Um, great chatting. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Thank you. And before we close, here's another word about our awesome sponsors. Blockchain technology is a series of compromises, whether it be on speed, decentralization, or security. No Layer 1 protocol supports everything enterprises, developers, and consumers need. Casper aims to provide the blockchain ecosystem with a solution that makes no compromises around decentralization, security, or performance. Learn more at casper.network. Ensign provides an easy way to build, scale, and monetize DeFi investment strategies. If high gas prices are shutting you out of DeFi, fear not. Ensign is now running a gas subsidy program. The app makes it easy for investors to pull together on strategies lowering costs. The Ensign interface allows anyone to trade, lend, deposit to AMM pools, farm, stake, and more. 
It is a non-custodial solution and allows for real-time reporting, security, and transparency. Sign up today on Enzyme.Finance. Sirion offers a simple interface to access and use decentralized finance. You can connect your favorite wallet, trade tokens, liquidity provider shares, and vaults in a single transaction. And then you'll be able to track your PL, average costs, and fees paid. All of this now is also available on mobile. Check out Kraken, where you can earn additional rewards by staking some of your favorite DeFi assets. With more than 1 billion in crypto staked, including 350,000 ETH, Kraken has paid out 27 million worth of rewards to their clients. Pay it twice a week, and you can earn up to 20% annually. Sign up today at kraken.com and start earning some of the most popular DeFi assets, including Polkadot, Uniswap, Aave, and more. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bal for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bal tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance.